Welcome, welcome to another episode of Mama Mystery. I am your co-host, Austin. And I'm your host, Kelly. He just stole the intro right from, right out from under me. Did a countdown, saw her get her breath to go, and then I took it away. Yeah. You're always taking my breath away, Austin. Oh! Vomit. Whatever, LaJolla girl. Oh my God, I'm literally never going to live that down. I had so many people reach out to me saying that that made their day. So if you laughed at me saying LaJala like an idiot, then um, I really am happy about that. I got called out though. Um, Yeah, because you referred to um, Dan as being placed up on a totem pole. And I meant to say a pedestal. Who got me on that? What was her name? Shoot, I don't remember now. It, it was on our Instagram, and she said we went back he and even forth doubled, on some pics and doubled stuff down and said it twice. Oh, my God, that I was, was dying. I she was got me. I was so hard. Yeah, so, you know, things happen all the time. Things happen all the time. <laughs> so today's story is going to take place in 2015 in Morris, Alabama. Pretty recent. Yeah, not, not too long ago. Um, So Morris, Alabama is a super small town with a population of about 2,000 people, and it's named after Mary Hunter Morris, an early female pioneer in that region. I thought that was cool. Sure makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was cool. It was like named after this chick. So anyway, Morris is um, also apparently named as one of the most conservative towns in Alabama, And faith is a huge part of Southern life. And in this small town outside of Birmingham, churches were abundant. Right on. So we are talking about Cindy and Michael Reese from Morris, Alabama. Cindy and Michael were married in 2009 after Cindy's first husband committed suicide. And Michael had just gone through a divorce. And so they were both kind of... You know, just coming out of these um, sad relationships or sad endings to relationships. And they were hooked up by a couple of friends. And um, they belonged to the Sardis Baptist Church, where Cindy was the minister of music there. And their relationship seemed really strong and happy. Michael worked in IT at a hospital in Birmingham. And he was a computer whiz, um, like a self-proclaimed computer nerd. He was very smart, very friendly, very involved in the church. He was really funny, kind, the type of friend that you knew you could count on. And after Cindy and Michael got married, he ended up joining Cindy's church. And Cindy obviously was very involved in this church as well. She was um, the minister minister of music. I don't really know much about church. I I don't know, especially when you get into these southern I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. There's so many different kinds of religions and stuff. And, you know, maybe that's a conversation for another day. I'm not really like, um, you know. Well-versed. Yeah. Or tied to like one religion, you know. I just let everybody do their thing and I just mind my own business. Yeah, we just do us. Yeah. Um, Shout out God. Hey, God. <laughs> okay, that was, weird. that was weird. So, anyway, back on track. So, Sorry, in 2013, the church brought in a new pastor because they felt like maybe a younger pastor would appeal to the younger members. So, a man named Jeffrey Brown became the senior pastor at the church. And throughout 2014, that following year, the Brown family and the Reese family became really close. So Jeffrey and his wife had two kids, and Michael and Cindy would often babysit the kids 
um, for the Browns. And obviously, Cindy is working in the church. Jeffrey is a pastor there. Um, but, it, you know, if you know anything about small towns, you know that rumors, once they start... Start swirling. They spread like wildfire. And this is a tiny town. It's 2,000 people. So, I mean, that's a really freaking small town. I've lived in a small town for a little bit, and that's... Yeah, it was like twice the size of that. That's about as small as I'd ever, ever like to go. I would never even want to go that small. I can't handle it. Thank you. So it didn't take long for gossip to start that Cindy and Jeffrey were having an affair. And rumors started swirling that people were apparently having sex in this parking garage where Cindy worked as an accountant for the county. And somebody claimed that it was Cindy having sex with a man in a pest control truck. Well, Jeff, in addition to working as the pastor at Sardis Church, worked for a pest control company. But the thing is, these are not small people. Michael, Cindy, Jeff, they're all large people. Overweight is what I'm getting at. They're not just big and tall. They're just, they're big people. Biggins. And um, the truck was like one of those. Not a big truck. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it was like, they didn't have a back seat. It was one of those where like the, the back was like the pest control part. So there was a single cab, Kelly. That's right. I was going to say right. that. Was Two gonna, doors. I was going to say that, and then I was like, I don't want to be Two wrong. small people might have trouble banging in a single cab. Yeah. You so, get two big folks in a single cab. To me, like a monkey how banging the heck, a football. I mean, it's going to get real sweaty up in there. It's, it's going to be like Titanic. With well, the and hand also, on the window. man, that's intense. All right. I, you know, I just, yeah, it's like ergonomically, I don't see how that would work. Ergonomically. <laughs> I don't. And a lot of people had trouble, well, okay, some people had trouble believing it was true because of that fact, because of how big these people were. And it was just like one of those outlandish rumors. It was just kind of like, some people found it laughable. Um, but then Cindy admitted to her friends that she started working out a little bit and one of her workout partners was Jeff Brown, which considering the rumors kind of made her friends a bit uncomfortable you know, I think they just kind of were like, do you really think this is a good idea? Oh, what are you doing cardio in the truck type thing? I mean, I don't know. She's working something. Right. So... Cindy claimed that at home, Michael was becoming less and less interested in her, that they stopped having sex, and that he spent more time playing games on his computer than with her. So she began confiding in Jeff about these problems. And um, what is that saying? If she cries to him, she'll lie with him. Or there's like some saying about like if she... I know it really inappropriate. A shoulder to cry on becomes a to ride on <laughs> that's it that's yeah. it that's the one i was thinking of yeah. becomes a mm, to ride on yeah that's right that's this that's the saying it's okay. unfortunate so yeah um the affair started in the spring of 2014 which why led... are you smiling so big because <laughs> just kidding i'm just giving you shit anyway the affair started it did happen it it was true um, it started in the spring of 2014, which led Jeff to resign from the church, which he knew the elders of the church were coming for him. They wanted to like have a sit down and talk with him. And I think he knew that they knew. And so he probably knew he was going to get fired. So he was, he pulled one of those, you're not going to fire me. I'm just going to resign. Yeah. He knew that they knew that he knew that they knew that he knew. Yeah. That's a friend's quote for someone who doesn't watch friends. They don't know that we know they know we know. <laughs> anyway, my friends, my friends, friends will get it. 
Um, so anyway, this affair lasted through the summer until the fall of that year when Cindy and Michael planned a trip to Disney World to reconnect for their fifth anniversary. Um, have you ever seen Bridesmaids? Oh, yeah. You know that girl that's like, oh, we spent our honeymoon at Disney World. Mm-hmm. That's what that reminds me of when people go, because they went to Disney World for their honeymoon, and then they went back to Disney World. Yeah, that's and different. It's it's different. I mean, I'm not hating on anybody. I just think it's such a, like, it's just so different than what I would choose for a honeymoon. Like, yeah. um, you know, when they didn't have any kids. It's unique. A lot of adults will go to Disney World, like, to hang out there at, on their own. Like, I, w- I worked with a girl whose honeymoon was going to be at Disney World, and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Not where I want to go. No, I mean, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of sugar high kids and screaming and sweating in Florida. Isn't it in Florida? Yeah, or California. Not my cup of tea. Everybody, you know, has their own thing. That's not mine. Anyway, so while Cindy was at Disney, Jeffrey called her constantly, and Cindy complained that he would not leave her alone and just let her enjoy the trip. But even though the sexual relationship between Cindy and Jeffrey was allegedly over, the two continued to talk every single day. And it turned out they shared a savings account. Cindy's name was on the title of his car. She helped him make payments on it. And her name was on the lease of his apartment. So on February 18th of 2015... Cindy said that she went to lunch with Jeffrey to help him with some of his divorce paperwork because Jeffrey and his wife were splitting up. And after Jeffrey dropped her back off at work, Michael then came and picked her up. They went to Cindy's mom's house to help her take out some trash, and then they went to church. And after church, on the way home, they stopped at a fast food restaurant called Milo's. And Milo's is like a, a chain down in... I guess, the South, and they are known for their, like, well-seasoned, amazing fries, their French fries. Okay. So while they were on their way home, Cindy told Michael that she needed a few groceries from Piggly Wiggly. So Piggly Wiggly, gosh, I can't God, we sound like we're straight up in the South. I can't believe that a place like that exists, a place called Piggly Wiggly. That is so freaking funny to me. The Piggly Wiggly. It sounds like we're straight up in the South for sure. I, I don't even mean to sound like a snob if I have like someone from the South that's listening to this. It's just so funny. Like the Piggly, the Piggly Wiggly. Wiggly. It's pretty out there. It's so funny to me. That's such a funny name. Piggly Wiggly. Oh, man. The Wiggly Piggly. So anyway, they get you're home. Cu- you're, you're a cute mama mystery. <laughs> I'm just cute as all get out. So she said that when they got home, Michael helped her take the food inside and then she left to go get the groceries, which turned out to be some ham, like lunch meat and some orange juice. I don't know why you would feel like an urgency to go get those things, but you know, that's neither here nor there. he came outside with a knife and said, give me the fries. And that's where this story takes a turn. You want to just improvise? Yeah. And finish I don't know where we're going. (laughs) Nobody does. So, um, after she leaves, she said that she met Jeffrey at a gas station to give him $15 for gas and then went to the grocery store. And then when she got home, she said she noticed that the coffee table was turned on its side and the front of the room, like the front room of the house was just a disaster. And here's the thing about this house. It's a really small house and it's like this little white house. There were still Christmas lights up front and the 
like dark green front door took up most of the front of the house. I mean, it's a really small house. You go in and there is stuff everywhere. There's a huge TV, but there's like just kind of junk everywhere. It would almost make you think that it like a borderline hoarders Mm -hmm. lived there. But regardless, she said that she could tell it was a disaster. So she called 911 to report what she thought was a burglary because what she didn't see at the time was that her husband, Michael, was on the ground dead by the back door of the house. Inside the house, but by the back door. So, of course, Cindy and Jeff were both brought in for questioning because you have to remember, this is such a small town that when detectives heard the name of who was killed, they immediately recognized Cindy's name as being the woman caught in the parking garage getting it on in the pest control truck, right? Mm -hmm. So they're asking Cindy about this whole situation. She admits to having an affair with Jeff, but could not imagine who on earth would want to kill Michael. Gosh, as if that's not the (laughs) the worst position you'd ever want to be in. Right? Yes, I've been screwing this other guy. Yes, I was unhappy in my marriage. And yes, this guy really wants to be with me. But I don't know who would have killed my husband. Mm -hmm. So then they're asking Jeff the same questions. But he is just cool as a cucumber. And when the affair comes up, he literally says, hate the sin, not the sinner. Which I think is such a cop-out. Because he's literally like... Yes, I do love her. Yes, I am in love with her. Yes, I do want to be with her in the future. I see a future with her. And, you know, when she told me that her and Michael were working things out, I was really upset. And then he started talking about how he knew about them, like, being in bed together, and he was sickened by the thought of Michael touching her. And it's like, but that's his wife. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, think about it. Um. But anyway, they end up asking him point blank if he killed Michael, and he says no, and he offers up an alibi that he was about 50 miles away on his way to his storage unit and a buddy's house. And so, you know, they point blank ask him, did you shoot Michael? And he's just like gripping his chair, like you can see the whites of his knuckles, and he vehemently denies, I feel like I use that word a lot. I was just going to tell you that you use the word vehemently a lot. Yeah, but I mean, I guess innocent or not, you're going to vehemently deny if you kill somebody. I mean, that's pretty much the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to deny it, you better do it vehemently. So anyway, police start digging into Jeff's past a little more, and they found some interesting facts. So Jeff was like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. He had lots of odd jobs from being a police officer to a hairdresser to working for a moving company and then becoming a pastor. Like there's no common themes to any of these jobs. But as they were looking into his work history, they came across some people who really didn't like him. Some people described him as a man whore, a con man. And then they found out that he had apparently been asking some of the employees from the moving company that he worked at to kill Michael for him, and that he was offering up money and even his car to get the job done. Gosh, you're in a town of 2,000, and you're just out talking to everybody about this. Well, it's interesting that you say that, because this moving company was not in that town. So when those employees were getting asked, they did report it to police, but it was in a different district, and they never communicated it to the police. So that's why they didn't find out until later. Gotcha. 
Um, so detectives end up, end up getting a hold of Jeff's cell phone records and they had to go through tons of naked pictures from Jeff and Cindy, including sexting back and forth. I'm just like, barf. I can't, I can't handle it. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, including lots of sexting back and forth. This continued until after the Disney trip, so it was clear they were still talking, still screwing around. There was no end in sight for this affair. Um, And the night that Michael was shot, Jeff texted Cindy saying, quote, keep me posted. And that was at 6.57, which would have been right before church let out that night. So they're beginning to think that Cindy and Jeff had a plan that night to kill Michael. And there were a few discrepancies in Cindy's story. So, for instance, Cindy's fries from Milo's, they were completely untouched. And that was like a red flag to the investigators. Because the fries kick ass and they were hungry. Yeah, and like who's going to eat cold fries? Like the point is you eat them when you're hot, like, or when they're hot. Or when you're hot. Or when you're hot, whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, they thought that was unusual And none of the takeout had been touched. Like, it was literally sitting on a table inside the house. So they believed that the murder happened as soon as they got home. Because they weren't even, like, the sandwiches weren't even unwrapped. Hmm. So also, there was no forced entry. And there was lunch meat and OJ in the fridge. So, like, but then there was a a sack from Piggly Wiggly's with lunch meat and OJ in it. So it was just like, why did you need to go get that when you had some in the fridge? It's almost like you could create an alibi of, Hey, I was at the store and I was getting food. I could have never done it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So she doesn't even think to get something that she doesn't already How have. How in the world could dumb, I have dumb. done it? Here's my receipt. You big dummy. So then the other thing was when you go into that house, I told you it's really small, right? You come into the front door, and there's the living room on the right, and then there's like a wall that divides the living room and the kitchen as you're going deeper into the house. There is a straight shot view of the back door to the house, and right in front of that back door, Michael was laying there on his knees. He's like hunched over on his knees, clearly So it's like a shotgun house. Exactly. And like, how could you have missed him? Mm-hmm. There's no way she didn't see so him. So did the cops get all the way there and they said, oh shit, he's on the ground. Yes. I didn't see him. Yes. What a joke. So it's like. It's probably an 800 girl, square foot house. You're like playing dumb, but you're playing too dumb. Mm-hmm. So during the time frame that Michael was shot, there was an open line of communication where um, Cindy and Jeff, like they, it, it appeared that Cindy took her phone off the hook and just let it sit there while it was on the phone with Jeff. And they believe it's so that she could call Jeff and leave him on the phone so that he could hear what was going on at the house while everything went down. And 911 tapes revealed that when Cindy called, she wasn't alone or she at least, you know, wasn't, she was talking to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing that maybe a lot of people don't know about 911 calls, but 911, the line starts recording while it's ringing while it's ringing really yes i didn't even know that so you might think it starts recording when they finally pick up and say 911 what's your emergency but no as soon as it's ringing it's recording that's interesting so they could hear her in the background while the phone is ringing saying my phone's about to die and it's assumed that she was talking to jeff about her cell phone saying her cell phone was about wow. to die i did not know that kelly mm-hmm. that's yeah. crazy 
So in Alabama, and there's a lot of other states like this, if you are involved in a crime, you can be charged with the same crime as somebody else, even if you didn't pull the trigger. So like you can be charged with murder if you were involved in the murder, even if you weren't the one that pulled the trigger. You can both be charged with murder. Isn't that how it should be? I think so. I mean, if we go say we're going to kill somebody, we should both be in trouble, not just the person who killed, pulled the trigger. Right, but sometimes, you know, the other person can just get, you know, like a lesser charge because they weren't the ones that pulled the trigger. But in southern states, and some others, I'm sure, um, it's the law that, like, you're wrapped in in that whole package. It's a package deal. You did it as a package, you're charged as a package. So even if it was Cindy that pulled the trigger, Jeff was going to be tried for the same murder charge since he was involved or in appeared to be involved in the plot. So Jeff and Cindy were arrested together right outside Cindy's work one day when they were returning from having lunch together. Lunch in the pest control truck. Oh my gosh. Like I just, that just baffles me. Like your husband was shot and killed and you're out having lunch with this guy that you were known to be having an affair with. Like be a little more blatant about it. It's just so disrespectful. So Jeffrey later testified um, that Cindy would make comments about killing Michael frequently, that she would say either she wanted to shoot or poison him and then plead insanity if she was ever charged in his death. Because ultimately, Jeffrey pleaded guilty to manslaughter and received a 20-year prison sentence as a part of a plea agreement to testify against Cindy because he didn't want to get that same sentence that Cindy was going to get. And he didn't want to be like charged with that same count. So he agreed to plead guilty to a lesser charge in exchange for testifying against. And what was the charge called? Manslaughter. Okay. So, um, yeah, he testified against her and Cindy seemed really confident that she was going to get off with like nothing. Cause one of, um, one of Michael's best friends confronted her and was like, Hey, you know, like, What's going on? What's going to happen? And she said something along the lines of my husband or my lawyer said uh, they can't get me for nothing because they have no proof or something along those lines. All those double negatives. Yeah. Can't get me for nothing because no proof. And she just seemed really confident that she was not going to, you know, be found guilty. So she pleaded not guilty and claimed that she believed Jeff killed Michael because he was angry that she wouldn't divorce him. But in 2017, it only took an hour and a half of deliberation before Cindy was found guilty and sentenced to 40 years in prison. However, less than three years into her sentence, it was discovered that she had been moved from Julia Tutwiler Prison for Women to a work release program in Birmingham, Alabama. And the center that she was transferred to was only a short drive away from Michael's family and they had no idea that she was even transferred. So they were outraged and there was a ton of backlash over this. So she was moved back to the prison where she came from and she will be eligible for parole in the year 2030 while Jeff will be eligible for parole in 2023. How are they eligible for parole and only getting these short sentences for murder? Well, because a lot of How is it not life? Right. You know, I I don't understand that either. Or 50 years with no parole or something. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems... The thing is, they're eligible for parole. No, I get that. It doesn't mean they'll get it. I get that. It just seems like it's pretty chill. Like, 
And it'll lock you up for 40 years. Yeah, when a life Give or take. Taken. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I totally, you know, I feel the same way because all of these stories, the sentences always end up so different. And you never yeah, know where it's going to land. It's all over the place. It's like, it reminds me, I know this is kind of off topic, but that, that college scandal Netflix show, mm-hmm. which is awesome if you guys haven't seen it, it's about paying their way into colleges. But anyways, you listen, you look at those people mm-hmm. and like, depending on the amount of money the families had, mm-hmm. they got nothing. Exactly. Or they got seven days in jail. Yeah. Or they got six months in jail. Right. Like yeah. It, and in the, in that case, so that documentary is called um, Varsity... Varsity Blues? It? Was it Varsity no. Blues or something? I don't know. Shoot, I'm going to have to look it up. But um, that in that documentary, it talks... It's really interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but they talk about how these super uber wealthy parents were paying to get their kids into these Ivy League colleges. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Millions. Like, yeah, $2 million will backdoor you into USC, and we'll say your daughter was a water polo athlete. Yes. And then they'd, they'd crop pictures and stuff, and she'd get into USC as a water polo athlete and then not be an athlete. It was crazy. Yeah, so, like, the, the more famous people that were involved were the chick from um, Full House. What was her name? I don't remember. It was um, Olivia Jade is the girl, and I then her mom. That, yeah. I, I can't remember. Then there were like some popular um, actresses that were involved in this scandal, mm-hmm. and so anyway, at the end, it shows all these people who were indicted on these like fraud charges, essentially, mm-hmm. and um, they had to serve anywhere from like seven days to like two to four months in prison. Yeah. So even then, I mean, yeah, they're. Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. You should watch yes. it. Anyway, so back to Morris, Alabama. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah, it all ties in because, you know, sometimes money can get you out of... Oh, it was Lori Laughlin. That was who I was trying to think of from Full yeah. House. But anyway, um, it just shows that sometimes, you know, money can get you out of a tricky situation, and sometimes it can't, but... And it's just inconsistent across the board. It's so inconsistent. Like, why... Why is someone allowed to take a life and get 20 years and someone else is allowed to get and three, a lot less? And somebody else gets three lifetimes with no parole. And it's like... But then you think about our Patreon-exclusive episode on Dee Dee Blanchard, who killed her... Or Gypsy Blanchard, who killed her mom. Yes. And she got 10 years. And Ten she'll be years. able to get out in seven and a half as long as she's good. So... But, you know, but then again, the circumstances are so different, yeah. you know. Yeah, that one at least has some extreme circumstances. Right, because there's, like, kind of some self-defense involved in that story, at least. In this, it's just, like, she wanted, Cindy wanted to avoid the shame of mm. getting a divorce. And I think she also really wanted the sympathy of being the wife whose husband was killed. Because in this small town and church and everything, I think she wanted that sympathy, Mm-hmm. Sympathy is a big driver, like a big motive for a lot of people when it comes to committing some of these weird crimes. And not just crimes like committing weird lies in life. Like, like I went to school with somebody, like people who say they say they have cancer and they don't. And yes. Just different situations. It's just weird. It's so weird. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's that's the end of that. She'll be out whenever, I guess. I mean. He will be eligible in 2023. She'll be eligible in 2030. That's not a guarantee they'll get out at that time, but... I feel like these last couple episodes haven't been as crazy. Like, as, like, holy shit, like, Kelly, I'm not going to sleep. 
crazy. Well, you know, I've actually had some friends tell me that they had to stop listening for a minute because it was giving them nightmares. So I'm trying to throw in pepper some and some that ones. aren't as crazy. Yeah. Just because I don't want it to always... I, I set the bar too high. When I did that Lululemon episode, I set the bar way too high. You set... It was such a curveball. I know. Yeah, it was a curveball. I feel like you could do another Jeffrey Epstein episode. Because you, know, you did that so early, and it was—I I think that's such an interesting case. I'd love for Chris you to Watts. redo it without and Chris Watts. I'd love for you to redo those with now. I mean, you just keep being more comfortable, yeah. and and I think it'd be good ones to go revisit. Yeah. Well, let me know if you would like for me to um, redo the Chris Watts story or the Jeffrey Epstein story yeah. or even the Lori Vallow story because that was another one of the early ones. Yeah. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you so much for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Monday. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody tell the world mama mystery out <laughs>